Tonight on Rogue Padron, the tragic tale of Captain Derillion, We Got a Runner, Talon Squadron's Revenge, and One of the Lads. <clears throat> I really like the way you said We Got a Runner. <laughs> <laughs> I really like. I don't actually have a chapter. That chapter was all right. Anyway. Woo. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue Six standing by. Rogue Seven standing by. Rogue Three standing by. Mission 8, and we're going over the last chapters of X-Wing Wraith Squadron. So a quick reminder of your hosts. We have Danny, Rogue 6, and if he was a weird Star Wars collectible, he would be a Bib Fortuna coffee mug. Because he definitely helps you wake (laughs) up with 2.5 cups of coffee, but do you really want that, like, first thing in the morning? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Keith, Rogue 3, would be a can of Mountain Dew with Jake Lloyd on it from episode 1. And oh it would God. be unopened because he does not want to be spoiled. No. <laughs> so good. Seth, Rogue 7, would be the hella muscular Leia figures from the Power of the Force line. Because <laughs> no one's sure if they're scared or aroused. <laughs> oh, no. Oh no. <laughs> oh, I don't no. want that to be my description. <laughs> it's too late. It's out there. It's too late. I'm just going to not comment on this one. <laughs> I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see this one drawn for us. Do not. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader. And I would be the episode three airplane barf bag because that's what that movie makes me do. Wait, was that a thing? Yes. Oh my god, I'm googling this. <laughs> Revenge <laughs> of the Sith barf bag. Oh my god, it's real. <laughs> Wait, I need to look this up too. I put in research, guys. You mean you don't own one of these? No, I'm just a professional. This isn't your most prized collectible. Like... Oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> oh my god. So good. So good. All right. Well, speaking of the sounds of Heath and Saf Googling in the background, <laughs> I have a question from Star Wars Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Oops. Yes. So last yep, week, that- we talked about Ray for approximately 3.9 seconds. And <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about Finn. Finn. Oh, oh boy. Boy. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> boy. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> or did you hear Boyega. what I did there? Finn has presumably joined the resistance at the beginning of episode eight. And so what do we what do we think? What do we hope? Do we want to see him flying an X Wing? What is, what is Finn's I want role? To see a lightsaber. In episode uh, eight. Lightsaber. I, I want a scene of Poe teaching Finn how to fly an X-Wing, and so they're in, like, a super large training one, and he's definitely, like, in his lap learning how to fly the X-Wing. That is what I want. (laughs) I want him to ride in on a unicycle and say, What up? It's Dat Boyega! (laughs) I hear from Dat Boyega! (laughs) That's what I want. Seth, do you have a serious answer for this question? Um, my serious answer was I want to see him with a lightsaber. That's a serious answer. Okay, I want elaborate. I want non-force sensitives to be able to use lightsabers. We've seen it in Rebels now. It's a thing. And Finn just looked really cool with a lightsaber, and I feel sad that he doesn't get to keep one. So do you think there's anything to the tweets Mark Hamill sent? Maybe it was last week about how natural Finn was with a lightsaber or something. Do you think that's like in reference to some filming they did or just what happened with Force Awakens? Because I, I read it as a little hint of things to come. 
I thought he was just making fun of him being a nerd and already knowing how to fight with a lightsaber. Oh, that could be it. <laughs> but who is Mark Hamill to call out someone for being a nerd? Let's be real. I mean, I mean that in like the most <laughs> loving way possible. Like John Boyega like collects Gundams. Okay, we know yeah. he's a nerd. Yeah, he collects what? Gundams. Oh, that's not yeah, like... what I thought you said. <laughs> Did you thought think she said condoms? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> oh no! Oh, mobile suit Gundams. That would be a weird thing to collect. <laughs> I don't know what that is. They're big well, space robots. Oh sure. That aliens and yeah. other space robots. Real anime thing. Yeah, it's the animo, Danny. <laughs> well, that's my hope for Finn in Episode Eight. Wait, what? <laughs> Wait, what? For him to have a Gundam? <laughs> yeah, a Gundam. That sounds like the kind of thing that Finn <laughs> okay. would have. I mean, he kind of does in Pacific Rim. Yeah, he's getting it in Pacific Rim. Star Wars Episode Eight: Pacific Rim. Into it. I never saw Pacific Rim. Oh, man. It is so beautifully colored. Also, Danny. Ugh, I know. You guys haven't seen anything. Nope. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really watch movies. <laughs> this week on movies that the hosts who aren't Meg haven't seen. <laughs> wow. Don't lump me into this. Okay, but you're usually part of our crew, Saf, so... That's true. That's true. I commiserate. Just because you went rogue and watched Pacific Rim on your own. It's a good movie! Brand- I, can't believe, I can't believe you'd watch a movie without asking us first. Yeah, come on, Saf. <laughs> Before I even knew you, what was I going to do? Travel <laughs> to ask? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can I watch Pacific Rim in the past? Wait, what? Be asking now for past me. Don't watch it. It's too late. What? <laughs> don't watch it so the okay. podcast i think we're done talking about finn <laughs> <laughs> probably all right all right all right all right then let us talk about wedge antilles and i guess the rest of race squadron it's over <laughs> wow don't sound so happy about it don't sound so strong bad about it um, I'm so glad okay. you got that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I get all of these references. Yes. It is a year old reference. Oh my god. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> oh no, Danny, you're supposed to keep us in line. Sorry. <laughs> I can't turn down a Teen Girl Squad reference when it's sitting right there in my face. <laughs> oh. That'll be the next one. Which Teen Girl Squad we are. Oh, yes. Yes. It's perfect because there's four of us. I'm writing that down so I don't forget it. Hold on. Gotta take out my panda notebook. <clears throat> I'm gonna put some elevator music in this part. Girl Squad. Thank you for waiting. Rogue Potter will resume in one moment. Okay, so at chapter 28, Fix <laughs> is on a call with the uh, warlord Gabor. And... <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Heath, we giggled about that last week. I know, but it's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> I did, like the search and replace because like half of these show notes were <laughs> Warlord Gabor is so good. Oh, go on, go on. So the target planet for the trap to catch Rogue Squadron will be Ession, which is not on the Nightcaller's usual route, but is a familiar, but it is a familiar planet for Warlord Gabor. They already have the people work with there, namely the Chief of Security. <laughs> they figure out that they're probably making Tie Fighters there, so Wedge will instruct Lieutenant Page's commandos to go in ahead and keep things under control so more don't enter the fight against the Republic up in space. Min is also, like, scarily intense right now and ready to super murderize Trigget. Wait, hang on. Yep. Is this how you've always spelled murderize? <laughs> yes. Okay, that so... That is how you spell murderize. When I had I the episode title and I called it murder eyes, that was incorrect. Correct. Oh, <laughs> I it. Dan- Danny, I viewed it the same way you did. Okay, I'm glad head. I'm not alone here. <laughs> like, if he... If you were to say murderized, it would be murderized. Right, like the yeah, past yeah, tense of murderized. Oh my God. 
So the applicable nightcrawler. <laughs> <laughs> so moving right along and ignoring all of that. <laughs> they are in position on Ession's moon. Trigget starts to get antsy and call- and FaceTime's face. I just call it FaceTime. That's great. Um, <laughs> oh my god, yes. It's just FaceTime. FaceTime. <laughs> Well, that's what him and, like, Tan call their dates, FaceTime. Oh, my God. (laughs) Bye. So, Face just happens to get a signal that the Republic is a half an hour out from where they need to be to start everything. Unfortunately, during this conversation, Triggett uses what is obviously a code word, follow best, and Face has no idea what it means. Improv time. Improv time, kind of. And eventually, the people who are helping him put words up on the monitor, and it's a catchphrase from Imperial Intelligence Academy that you follow best by following from in front. Thus, your prey never knows that he's not actually the predator. And I think it's so funny that they actually repeat this crap to each other. <laughs> I mean, it's so Imperial. Well, you know some Imperial has this tattooed on his torso. Oh, oh they have it as like a lower back tattoo. And it's like a picture. <laughs> oh, no picture of like a rancor in an imperial uniform in front oh of God. oh wait what would be what would be eating a rancor a bigger rancor <laughs> exactly so, so it's slightly smaller rancor with the uniform than yes. rancor. Yeah. <laughs> Behind it. oh my gosh <laughs> so Trigget is suspicious about why Face hesitated so much. And at first we think Face gives it all away because he says, because I'm not Captain Darillion. But then he goes on to spin a tale about how after Coruscant, his home and his two loves were destroyed. He was a changed man and was no longer the Captain Darillion who graduated from the Imperial Intelligence Committee. <laughs> and this was the point when Wedge came out with an Academy Award. <laughs> right. It's enough to distract Triggett when he mentions two loves because who can resist that hot gossip? And we find out that one was obviously his wife and the other was Isard. And they both get super uncomfortably reminiscent about how great she is and how wonderful she smells. That was weird. That was really (laughs) weird. Uh, Especially because Face was just like making it all up. No, he sat on her lap. He knows what she smells like. It's something that's not sandalwood, but was obviously the space equivalent of sandalwood. Was it cold again? Wait, Face has sat on her lap? Yeah, when he won that award. Such a great job. Oh, I thought this was just him, like, pretending for his character. I mean, I don't think he's actually in love with her, but he... Right. ...lying about the smell. Gotcha. Okay. He's a good actor, Danny. (laughs) Well, right, that's why I thought he just was able to make up how she smelled. But it's obviously the right scent, because... He also is like, yeah, that's totally how she smelled. Which right. is gotcha. super weird. What is it? I wanna I wanna see. I need to find this now. Um Leatherwood. I a guess yeah. few women could carry off. I yes. Space sandalwood. Leatherwood. <laughs> Space <laughs> Very original. <laughs> the conversation ends up with their cover safe and everything intact. When it's all over, Face can hear cheering through the comms about his excellent performance. This is the most ridiculous way to get out of a situation. And I can't believe it worked. Yeah, I it's love so how we have this character who's an actor. And they he's already came up with a situation where he had to act in order to save them all. Interesting. It's almost like they wrote it that way. <laughs> they did, but it's like it's it's yeah. it's obvious, but it's also just kind of fun because it's not like oh we're gonna yeah. pew pew our way out of it. We're gonna act our way out of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. His acting talent. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the Nightcaller's Republic contact shows up, and it's somehow sticking, and it's the somehow sticking together remains of the Blood Nest, now renamed Red Feathers, which is pretty cute, actually. Yeah, they're red one word. Blood. <laughs> they're like red feathers. It's like blood nest, but broke down. <laughs> so Captain Tabane is worried that she'll be an easy target once the wraiths are deployed and she tries to get clear. The sensor dish that's covering them is an easy target, and once that could be 
and that could be easily taken up by the implacable once they realize their deception. Wedge, however, knows a maneuver that would foul up everybody's sensors so they could still make a clean getaway, but she's not confident she has enough time piloting the Nightcrawler to do it. Wedge insists that she can. She's the most experienced person there with Carillion freighters. She, however, says that she is not. And that's where they end, like, that conversation. So, way to skip skip to the next people. The next thing we know, Tabane meets up with Phelan and takes Wedge's place in the tie as Grey won. The race are ready in their fighters, but even a kiss blown from Tyria can't make Kel stop shaking. Aw, oh, man. This is not going to go well. <laughs> <laughs> Aboard the Implacable, they figured out that Red Feathers is most likely the Republic transport because it's already falling to pieces and will probably rain X-Wings down from the sky, which is a super cool move. <clears throat> the transport starts to explode, and out come the Rogues, Green Squadron, which is a bunch of Y-Wings, and Blue Squadron, which is uh, General Crispin, Crespin's A-Wings. Crispin. Gets- Crespin. General Crispy's A-Wings. Crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Wedge gets the order to gives the order to launch the ties, which are Wiz, Phelan, Piggy, and Tabane. Face finally gets to leave the comm center and get into his X-wing. They're preparing for a move called the Lauren Spitball, which is awesome, and it has something to do with Face's targeting computer. While Wedge and another officer prepare to tractor beam something that was obviously meant for them before. Who knows what's going on? It's very secretive right now. Yep. So many secrets. Scritch, scritch, scritch. Scritch, scritch, scritch. No. <laughs> At the cue of tell and strike, everyone begins their attacks, including Tabane, who targets the bridge of the Implacable. The rates begin to fire their torpedoes, and the Implacable is hit hard, the viewport of the bridge being blown out completely. Unfortunately, Trigget and Lieutenant Pedothel survive. Fortunately, yes. Fortunately, though, the shield generators have been destroyed. Yay! Wedge then starts his maneuver as the wraiths deploy. He moves the nightcrawler so it's vertical, aiming the thrusters back at the moon's surface and using the tractor beam to keep it tethered between it and the moon. So the tractor beam right now is focused on the implacable and all the thrusters are kicking up enough dust that it covers them visually and there's enough to interfere with the sensors. So the night caller is completely cloaked. Wait. <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. So you know how ships usually fly so they're like horizontal, right? Yes. I, I mean, I understand that much, but why, why are they... Why are they tethering the moon? I don't understand. They have to tether between it so they don't actually, like, go forward and they don't fall back into the moon's whatever. Wait, so wait, the Implacable is in the tractor beam? Yeah. They're, so the Implacable was above the Nightcaller. And so the Nightcaller is holding itself in position by tractor beaming the Implacable. So they're not moving the Implacable, they're just keeping themselves in place. Right. Because the thrusters are going, so, like, technically they should be moving forward, but they don't want to do that. Okay. I think yeah. I think I understand. They're just, they're just in between. Everything's fine. <laughs> okay. Oh. <clears throat> Gray Squadron and the Wraiths continue to assault the Implacable, making holes to get, their, to get to their fuel cells and do the most damage while the other squadrons keep the ties busy. With the aid of the tractor beams, Wedge is maneuvering the Nightcaller so he can fire at the Implacable. Wedge is just super freaking cool this entire chapter. <laughs> he can't—he just gives orders, and it's very attractive. And he can't really see where he's firing, but he does have the sensor silhouette of the Implacable, so he's hitting the approximate like targets. Unfortunately, the Implacable finally fires airs back and it clears part of the cloud of the cloud of dust. The nightcaller then has to move so it's still hidden, and Grinder flies close so he can give Wedge a better idea of what he's shooting at. The ties then are recalled to the implacable when Trigget finds out the bad news that the factories have been seized and there are more X-wings, A-wings, and Y-wings pursuing the ties back toward them to space. 
As Kel sees the incoming ties, he freezes in panic and can't seem to get in control of himself. He cites a control malfunction, and he ends up heading out into open space away from the incoming ties. He doesn't calm down again until he's facing open space, Rent following him the entire way. Once again, we see that every one of these characters is just plagued with crippling anxiety. Oof. They gotta get some, like... Space, space therapy. We really need a space therapist in the next book. It's <laughs> oh Or a way oh my God, I to would put a couch therapist. in his office. Either way. <laughs> I am therapist problems. Can it be Akbar? Akbar would be a great space therapist. He yeah, would. He really would. You must just talk to them ride the tide of your anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he sounds like Grover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's good advice, but not when it's coming from Grover. <laughs> he would just be really good at telling you when your anxiety is a trap that your mind is playing on you. Oh, it's all the time. So <laughs> it's all the time. <laughs> it's all the time. Gray one is hit, and it loses its entire right wing, but is thankfully tracked in by the Nara. Because remember, there's no ejection seats. Yay! Yay! The night caller is meeting its mark, melting the inside of the um Tabane. Oh, okay, right. The night caller is meeting its mark, melting the insides of the bulkheads of the implacable. Phelan requests permission to go inside the hole and to do damage to the machinery they can't reach in that current position. Wedge, of course, says no because it's a bad move, but she fakes comstatic. Of which this is probably my favorite part in the whole chapter of Wedge yeah. being like Rub your gloves over your mic. I invented that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's a thing that literally all of them do now, too. You youths. <laughs> like, Wedge was probably in one really serious situation. He had to get out of it somehow, and he, like, used this thing to get out of the conversation, and now suddenly everyone just uses it all the time when they don't want to have to talk to him. Yep. Ah, millennials. <laughs> Seriously. <Ugh>. <laughs> <Forced>. <laughs> Back in the relative safety zones, Runt puts a torpedo lock on Kel's X-Wing to get his attention. Of course, Kel's like, oh, are you going to come and like shoot me down now? Just like my dad was shot down by Wiz the Murderer. Um, but Runt just tells him that he's going but back to fight and it, just leaves him there. It's okay. He's totally over it. Super over it. He's totally moved on. Yeah. Ugh. Kel is okay being left there. And he's okay with the thought of being shot down, of course, probably by Wiz, until he thinks of uh, Tyria. Super over it. He thinks of how much, so benevolent Kel is, he thinks of how much it would hurt Tyria to have to be the one to kill him. <laughs> and that's what brings him back to his senses, and he heads back toward the battle. This boy, he just, <laughs> he he's something else. He's such a bro. He's He's just, oof. Like it'd be easier if he was more like Corin. It would be like because I can I can see like that he genuinely like, thinks he's making a good decision because of that reason. But I'm like, this is the worst reason he could have picked not, for yeah. coming back to the fight. But my girlfriend will have to murder me, and she'll be sad about it. <laughs> I can't do that to her. I'm like, I'm sure she'd probably be pretty happy to murder you. <laughs> I would. <laughs> Set honesty to on. Set honesty to on. I'm glad it was me who got to do this. <laughs> Phelan goes into the Star Destroyer anyway, with Grinder following behind her. Don't do it. Actually, Grinder, you can keep going, but Phelan, you should come <laughs> back. She positions herself to. She positions her tie to blast the power cells, feeling proud that she's probably the first one ever to do this. Girl, you need to raise your self-esteem. 72 more TIE fighters enter the battle. <laughs> that's that's not an insignificant number of TIE fighters. That's nope. fine. It's a decent it's, amount. It's just 72. It's just, you know, just six more squadrons. 72 <laughs> TIE fighters enter the <laughs> battle zone. That is the right number. It's 76 trombones. 76. Never mind. Yeah. Danny, you should edit that out. <laughs> what even is that song? It's from, from the Music uh, Man. 76 music trombones. There it is. 110 chords. That's right. Yeah. What? 
Anyway. You've never seen The Music Man? <laughs> no, that sounds scary. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's not scary. It, like, takes place. <laughs> that sounds scary. <laughs> it takes place in, like, 1950s Indiana. Why the hell does it not sound scary? It's about a con man that tricks the town into forming a band. Oh, that's kind of cute. Children's band. And then they, like... And then the music teacher and the con man, like, find love. Okay. There's a song about Wells Fargo. Like, it's sad, but not scary. And Gary, Indiana. <laughs> that sounds scary. <laughs> like, one of the songs is called Shapoopy. Like... <laughs> Shapoopy, Shapoopy, that girl is hard to get. <laughs> I need to watch this. Wow. Uh, I was in the music man. School. Oh my god, I was too. <laughs> what, what did you play? Oh, like child number seventeen or something like that. I was I was Tommy Gilus, the mayor. Oh. Who dates? No, the renegade dude who dates the mayor's daughter. Yeah, that's it. He's cool, bro. Oh, you're so bad. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Oh my goodness! So seventy-two typewriters enter the battle. Seemingly <laughs> <laughs> unaware that they have enemies in their own ships. Piggy and Wiz descend on one squad, performing the Akbar slash Starfighter style to get them to shoot at each other. Okay, Akbar slash appreciation moment. <laughs> so cool. If I was going to have anything named after me, I think I'd want it to be a slash. I would just want it to be called the Akbar slash. Yeah. Like, even if it was me doing something cool, I'd be like, could you call it the Akbar slash, please? <laughs> it not, just sounds Not into the Humphrey slash? Uh, Akbar sounds better. It's a slash! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. As the wraiths realize they're in trouble, (laughs) Blue Squadron shows up. Wedge sends them the appropriate sensor profiles so they don't hit any of their own TIE pilots. And Kel finally rejoins the battle. Yay, Kel. Uh, Aboard the Implacable, uh, Pedothel tells Trigget that the ship is lost. He's stunned for a moment, but he decides that he is not going to let the Republic take them alive, regardless of the 3,000 crew members aboard. That is not an insignificant number. It is not. He has a modified TIE interceptor with a hyperdrive and two more like it in secret storage. He offers to take Pedothel with him, but she can't pilot a TIE. So she decides to stay aboard the ship, not wanting to be executed by the New Republic court. Which, remember, they do do that because Tycho was in danger of the death sentence. I was about to ask if they actually still did that. That's just messed up. Yeah. Space. (laughs) Kel is back in the battle, but he seems like he's kind of reckless right now. Thankfully, a member of Blue Squadron is there to help him. Oh, what just happened? (laughs) A board game... (laughs) Sorry, my desk made a weird na- noise and then, like, moved. It was kind of... Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm definitely dying in this apartment. All on um, its own? Yeah. Well, I mean, I was leaning on it, so maybe something shifted. Oh, okay. It's a ghost. It's definitely a ghost. Trigget sets the self-destruct for five minutes and then heads to his TIE fighter. Face and Fanon are in trouble. The tail end of Fanon's X-Wing is chewed up and he has to go EV before it explodes and hopes that the Nara can pick him up at some point. Face is still being tailed by the tie, but Rogue 2, who I assume this is Hobby, because Taiko is leader and he's probably the only other one who would call one of the Wraiths son, swoops in and takes care of him. Face offers to buy him a distillery. Damn, I want someone to buy me a distillery. Remember, Face can do that. He's hecka rich. Oh, my God. Can he buy me a distillery? I mean, he probably would. <laughs> Petothel, enraged, rushes to her chamber to grab a package and then goes into Trigget's unguarded one. She strips, taking off her black wig and fake mole. Surprise! 
she was once a New Republic agent? Is she still? We don't know. She puts this on is some odd. Yes. So she weird. Puts on some fancy lingerie and injects herself with a drug, making her way to Trigget's secret personal escape pod. She has a makeup case and her new identity cards with her, but before she leaves, she gives the command to abandon ship. Why does she have lingerie on? And apparently it's sheer, so it's just like, <laughs> this is nothing covering her right now. Well, so she made herself look like she was obviously like a slave for Trigget, and that's how she escaped through his like personal stuff, because he just left her aboard to die. Oh, that's smart. And then when she lands, people will take pity on her and be like, oh, I need help. I'm cute. Help I'm cute me. and mo- like pretty much naked. Please help me. <laughs> like, <laughs> it works. It's a weird. It's a weird plan. The fact that she planned to hit for this too is just a little weird. She sure yes. did. She was ready. <laughs> She's secretly been hoping that this moment would happen. <laughs> right. So She's I guess like had no- this, it, it, for for years she's had this plan in her head. Where she's like, okay, but if I'm ever in the situation, I want to wear my fancy lingerie. <laughs> so take that lesson, <laughs> listeners. Get yourself some lingerie if you need a quick exit. Always keep some lingerie in your back pocket, <laughs> just in case. Just in case. It folds up pretty small, do so don't worry. <laughs> See, Trigger and his two guards escape the ship while everyone is busy with the battle. Anyone who targets them, let them go because they're fleeing, not fighting. Kel is still doing his thing, and he makes his third pass through the ties, whose numbers have significantly dropped thanks to Rogue Squadron. Seriously, best darn pilots in the galaxy. But Kel's luck doesn't hold, and he's hit, and all the power of an- and his engines go out. He and 13 are unable to do anything, so he punches out, leaving his X-Wing and 13 to crash into the moon. There's no explosion, and it just feels bad. So that yes. was that was the thing that happened. Yeah, that was that was something. I'm sad about the robot. Like they I'm keep really doing this thing. The robot dies, and then they're all like, "Oh, but the robot was a person." I'm like, "Don't do this to me." They're gonna do it to you, Saf. Every Don't time. like it. Why can't the robots live? It's gonna keep happening. I think it's gonna keep happening. <laughs> The next book, like a robot dies every chapter. Are you kidding? I actually, I do not remember. <laughs> okay, thank God. <laughs> I was genuinely scared. Don't you so, remember like, the quit. next book is called X-Wing Wraith Squadron Robot Genocide? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember that, Jenny. I not enough. read a book called Robot Genocide. <laughs> <laughs> you think I remember a name like that? <laughs> It's weird that you forgot. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. Just kidding. Yeah, it's like... actually called Iron Fist. Which is really timely. <laughs> we can we can expect lots of whitewashing in book six. Oh god. Wow. And lots of lots of you. Lots of oh, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> the night color sensors pick up that the implacable is enlarging. And by that, it means that she's falling directly on top of them. Wedge cuts the tractor and does everything he can to get them outside of its shadow and to get Phelan and Grinder out from the Star Destroyer's insides. Grinder's able to rush out, but Phelan gets her tie wings trapped by some bulkheads and can't follow. Grinder manages to escape the Implacable's hold, but once he gets the Starfighter under control, he's immediately hit with a blast from one of the laser turrets and he's gone in a literal flash. Darn. I wish I could say I felt sadder about this, but <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that we can't like laugh at him more. Right. But... And I also wish that he would have died by some bug related death, but you know. Right. Like Whatever. some good karma for that. Yeah. Like his body was filled with ants or something like that. Well, space uh, ants, I guess. We also have this yeah. weird habit of predicting the, the, the deaths with our listener questions. <laughs> <laughs> right, like whichever wraith is, is our listener question is based on dies in the next <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah. I, I've learned my lesson to not say anything like I've started to really appreciate this character. <laughs> <laughs> Don't appreciate anyone. He then they're gone. I uh, am being very quiet about my appreciations this time. We know yeah, exactly. We noticed. Except one time, I'm being quiet about it. <laughs> 
We know you love Cal. No. No. Wait, if we say I love Cal, will he die? No, that's too mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it, might, it didn't work for Tyria, so. Oh. <laughs> oh. Was in Piggy. Meg, you literally made that joke earlier in the episode. Come on. <laughs> Wiz and Piggy take care of a turret and try to help Phelan, but she tells Wiz that she'll fire on him if he tries to come inside the ship. It gets too dangerous to stay, so Wiz and Piggy are forced to leave. The night caller gets clear just before the implacable crashes onto the moon. Everyone hears over the calm men's sound of ag- anguish at losing Phelan. Wait, why do they do this to men? Like, poor men. Because they wanted to torture men more because that's mean. I mean, he's already tortured. You could just stack it on, right? I mean, we know that Min will be the last character alive in these books. Like, yeah. he will have to watch I mean, literally everyone around him die. <laughs> At the losses they've already suffered, Wedge opens a comm to everyone, offering to cease hostilities. The New Republic won't pursue them, and they're free to go wherever they want. The dude who's now in control of the Imperials thinks that they should just kill them all, but he's warned and then taken out by another mysterious voice that Wedge happens to recognize. The groups break off and Wedge cuts the comm. He's shaken up by the presence of Baron Sunterfell, the best pilot in the Imperial Navy, as an observer aboard the Iron Fist. I already used all my Iron Fist jokes. Okay, cool. There are five (laughs) dots that are not breaking away. Three red ones and two blue, identified as a member of Blue Squadron and Wraith 9. Kel is picked up by Cover, who lets him know that he's an instant ace with five kills. And Kel is dealing with what to do with feelings right now, because he has more than one, and it's weird. I mean, that Again. is weird. I can appreciate that. <laughs> he feels relief that Tyria is okay, but he's sad about the death of his squadmates. But he's also happy knowing that his fears are now behind him and that he won't get all super nervous and run away anymore because he just thinks about Tyria having to kill him. <laughs> he's over it. He's totally yeah. over it. Honestly, this is the most relatable Kel has been this whole book. <laughs> he's like, what are, what are these feelings? I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> yep. What do... Just generally confused about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wedge calls to check in on Min. Min says that he's functional, but he's not stopping until he kills Trigget. General Crespin in his A-Wing feels the same. Crispy catches up to the ties first. He's obligated to give Trigget the chance to surrender, but of course he doesn't accept. Now Crispy's going up against two ties by himself, both willing to die to protect Trigget. It's bet odds and Min knows it, and he tries to catch up as soon as possible. But he realizes that Crispin is not an idiot, and he wouldn't put himself in danger of these two ties. He figures out Crispin's Crespin's strategy. He pulls the ties in. He's pulling the ties in, making them feel like they can execute their plan of ramming him. But at the last second, he pulls away, leaving one tie to vape the other before he target locks on the second defensive tie. It was his intention for Min to figure this out and shoot Trigget when the other two were taken care of. After seeing his escort gone, Trigget tries to surrender, but it's too late. Two of Min's torpedoes hit him, and he's gone. Min is empty inside, but he hopes somewhere... <laughs> Tell us something we don't know. <laughs> he hopes who, that who among us? <laughs> 11 good pilots an ever-helpful R2 unit, and a woman from Tatooine who never knew her worth are at peace. Aww. Ugh. Punch in the gut. And I especially love that he doesn't mention the Bothan. (laughs) 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 But what are they going to do without expert in human psychology on their squad? (laughs) Maybe they'll get some actual counseling now. (laughs) <laughs> Hopefully, one can hope. Oh. At the next chapter, they're at the freaking beach. Yeah. Happened. And they are in swimsuits where the word minimal is generous. Yeah. The word minimal should never be generous. 
Uh, I'm I pretty so sure happy that this happened after last week when I was like, oh, I wish they were at the beach. I've always wanted a beach episode for Rogue. And right now they budget. have a, like, a summer break beach episode. It happened. One of I'm... them, they're going to have to do a test of courage and like <laughs> have some watermelon and fireworks at the end. I'm pretty sure someone, like this is just part of an elaborate prank and somehow someone got a hold of all our copies of the book and replaced whatever the actual last <laughs> chapter was with this one. With the beach chapter. Someone yeah. is like, someone is listening to Rogue, Rogue Pod every week and like listening to our question and what we say and they're like, okay, let's. It would be really funny if we did this in the next episode. Oh my gosh, that kind of like it's, creeps it's me like, out a lot. Right it's now. like Truman. It's like Truman Show. I feel like I'm on the oh Truman God. Show. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but well, which one I'm of paranoid. us <laughs> is the Truman? <laughs> oh my gosh! Did you know that that's an actual psychological disorder now, Truman Syndrome? Oh. Where you, where you, you like you think that every it's all an elaborate conspiracy? You think your entire life is staged. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And like it it has all I said now, but it's like always been a thing, but they gave it a name after the movie because uh-huh. it's like yeah. The infuriating thing is that you can never know for sure. Right? How can how could you ever know? No you one will ever know. tell you. <laughs> Oof. I Ooh, hate it's it. Odd, it's odd. <laughs> I think I like kind of have it. Okay, well, now that we all have complexes. Um, <laughs> no, it's not a complex. It's a syndrome. Truman syndrome. Now that we all have complexes. It's real, Meg. <laughs> I saw a movie about it once. <laughs> it was good. So everyone is on the beach except Fannin, who got so bad he had to eject his spleen, a.k.a. he was pierced by shrapnel. I really want an excuse to say that one day. Just be like, I was so mad I ejected my spleen. Nobody <laughs> will understand. <laughs> I'll understand. Also, poor Fanon. He's the only one who can't be healed by Bacta, and he's always getting insured. He's getting more machine parts. One day he'll just be full robot. So he's and just he's recovering in the military hospital. That's okay. Face will still love him, even if he is all robot. Yeah. Yeah. There was no official record of Kel's episode, so no one is going to say anything about it. He knows he's not going to have another one, so everyone's just okay with it. Mintu is at least being a loner closer to the group, rather than being a loner far away from the group. (laughs) Progress. (laughs) Good job, Min. Akbar comes to thank Kel, who admits that he was avoiding him because he was ashamed. Akbar was just glad that if she, if Jasmine couldn't die near her clan, she was a, she at least went out surrounded by her friends. <laughs> this is my favorite part of this entire book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really, even more Akbar than yub 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 commander. Even oh gosh, Akbar then jumps and wedges water skimmer, <laughs> and. Akbar asks Wedge why he's not frolicking and wearing scrap pieces of cloth with the other wraiths. And Wedge admits he's not as close to them as the rogues. Akbar this then is, has again, to jab such at him. a like two old guys hanging out with a bunch of kids moment. <laughs> so he's good. 28 years old. Why aren't you frolicking wearing scrap pieces of cloth like the other kids are doing? <laughs> Akbar has to do a jab about how he's not one of the lads and about how, oh, it's almost like you're a real commanding officer. A general, maybe? <laughs> hmm. Doesn't that sound like what you are, Wedge, General Antilles? <laughs> <laughs> Wedge laughs instead, wanting to ask if he'd won the bet yet, but Akbar says his three months aren't over and he's still in danger. Wedge just responds with, that's the story of my life. And they skim off into the sunset. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. So good. With One Direction get, playing in the background. The squad get out of just my dreams, get into around. my, my uh, skimmer. Oh I'm my god. so into it. <laughs> and is that is that dialogue? Should we read that dialogue? I love that Akbar was at the quick, beach too. He's just at the beach. And he, like, just stares wistfully at the water half the time. Uh, right. <laughs> He's like, I'm totally listening to you, Kel. Totally. Let's let's read this. It's quick, but let's just do it. Okay. Which, which part? The very last little section. 
I was like, all of it, because chapter 31 is literally three pages. No, just the part where he jumps in his skimmer. <laughs> okay. Meg, do you want to be Akbar? Oh my gosh, no, I can't do that. You should be just Grover Akbar. No! <laughs> Grover Akbar! <laughs> Grover Akbar! <laughs> At the top of the hill, Wedge, Wedge waited in a skimmer and a pair of board shorts. The Admiral <laughs> climbed awkwardly in. You're still fully dressed, Commander. Shouldn't you be wearing a scrap and enjoying the weather and the water as they are? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it's the worst but best Akbar I've ever heard. How do you do an Akbar voice? I don't even know. Just kill me. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> Just freaking murder me. Oh my god. <laughs> Wedge set the skimmer in motion once Akbar's hands were wrapped around his waist, wheeling it around <laughs> the field where, the, where the excellence of shuttles waited. I'm not really as close to the wraiths as I am to the rogues, sir. I think I'd make them uncomfortable. So, you are not one of the lads. <laughs> More like a real officer, as intimidating as a general. Oh, yes. Our bet. Actually, I was rather hoping you'd take this opportunity to acknowledge that the race had proven their worth, as you put it. Your three months aren't up yet, general. <laughs> you are still in danger. <laughs> Wedge smiled and placed a kiss on Akbar's cheek. Admiral, that's the story of my life. Okay. Uh-huh. We need we need to have a long conversation about Danny's Akbar. It sounds like you're trying to be Yoda. <laughs> right, so like funny. not only is it, not only did you like change your voice, you gave it this weird accent and it was just <laughs> Generally uncomfortable. <laughs> Generally uncomfortable with Rogue Potter. I would like to hear your is... Akbar voice. <laughs> oh never... my god. That was so good. You gotta do it, hate. I wanna hear that. Hang on, let me find some dialogue. <laughs> so you're not one of the lads? More like a real officer? That would be my Akbar. <laughs> well, it's better than mine. I'll give you that much. <laughs> good times. Good times. Speaking of good times. We have, have we some... never had Akbar in a dramatic reading before this? How have we no. gone five books without an Akbar? I don't know, but you are designated Akbar from here on out, I think. I think so. <laughs> oh, no. Absolutely. We're having, we're having Austin oh, yes. come on anytime we need an Akbar voice from now on. Oh, yeah. He's good. He's good at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do some listener responses, shall we? Last week, we asked you what prank you would pull on your Bothan wingmate. And I just want to thank everyone in advance for hating Bothans as much as we do. <laughs> Luke Brywalker said he would replace Bothans X-Wings with Y-Wings, then name all the Y-Wings Death Star plans, and then many Bothans will die because of Death Star plans. Oh. Oh my god. Oh, so sad. Oof. But not really, because they're just Bothans. Mika said, in all of our arguments, and there are plenty... I would counter the points with, but think about all the Bossons that died to bring us the Death Star plans. That way, I would leave them not only utterly confused, but also without anything to say. <laughs> but think about all the Bossons that died. Yeah, just think about just it. Just think about it. Damn it! <laughs> David Roy said he would blow a dog whistle at inopportune times. Like, just as they're about to fall asleep or try to flirt at a bar. I love this so much. And then David said, hashtag, the hashtag is important here. Yeah, he said, hashtag Bothans are dogs, which explains Just the dog whistle. In case we but didn't make I, the connection. I also think that's offensive to dogs. So. <laughs> dogs are <good. laughs> 
Nick said, I would try to put a leech on a Bothan, continuing the dog theme, I guess. Yeah, what the um, heck? Have we not <laughs> demonstrated our love of dogs on this podcast yet? <laughs> yeah, I'm... I mean, it could be a weird thing. Yeah. Kink thing. It's one of those uh, weird furry things. <laughs> yeah. Someone's persona of Bothan. Oh, I hope not. And Nick added that putting a leash on the Bothan would probably get him a meeting with HR. Mm-hmm. Which is true. Yeah, and you know that HR is a Bothan. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Absolutely, yes. Because like, HR for, like pretends that they're going to help you, and they do not help you. If we were to <laughs> fan cast the Office characters... I was just going to say the exact thing. To- <laughs> Toby is absolutely a Bothan. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> 100 percent i just hate everything that you are just like so much false self-importance Ugh. yeah total buffing (laughs) (laughs) jay said i tell them that the buffing people actually accomplish something of note they would be so excited and then i tell the truth (laughs) oh savage but jay they would also call you out for referring to them as people so Ooh. Ooh, good point. Nancy said she would make them wait in a doctor's waiting room for an hour and a half while listening to the same DVD intro on loop, which I think is maybe based on some recent personal experience. Nancy. <laughs> a very specific example, Nancy. It's very specific. One wonders if Nancy was experiencing that exact thing at the time she tweeted that at us. Probably. Probably. <laughs> Hassan said his prank to the Bothans would be to put bubble bath in their moose spray. <laughs> Just really good. It's amazing. Tom the fanboy said my prank would be to slowly raise the humidity in their quarters to make their Bothan hair super frizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the pranks that are fur based. <laughs> so many. Um, Raising Fangirl said we all took their answer, um, but then they tweeted out a video to a Muppet sketch, which was hilarious. So I'll have to retweet that for everybody. Um, Spitfire said chewed bubble gum everywhere, which is really oh. funny. Like putting gum oh in God. people's hair. That's oh. so cruel. <laughs> and then also added she would take a class on Bothan fur expressions and let the squad know every single meaning. Like, if their fur raises a specific way, it means a certain thing. But no one's supposed to know that. And now everybody knows. Secrets out. Everybody knows. News of the Galaxy said, I would fake love notes from Admiral Akbar to a Lady Bothan. It's a trap. (laughs) (laughs) So rude. Don't play with people's hearts like that. (laughs) Then said, I do all the pranks that they do in Animal House to the poor guy. He'd never see it coming. Um, in space, no one can see you coming. I don't know if that's supposed to be. I'm afraid. A dirty joke or not, but if, <laughs> if oh, so, no. it, it works really well as one. Um, and the new, news of the galaxy also said I'd probably pants the poor fellow or something. You guys know how I feel about wearing pants. Smoke gets me because he's cool. Because on the last episode, Snoke said something about not wearing pants. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Speaking of Snoke, his prank is a dark one. He said he would light the Bothan's fur on fire. Which is just <laughs> that just means you just light the Bothan on fire. <laughs> Always a master uh, of subtlety, that Supreme Leader. Not really a prank as much <laughs> as it is an assault, but we'll, we'll <laughs> so, go with it. Okay. I imagine that would smell bad. Yeah. So bad. Hair. Burton hair does not smell good. Ian Miller said, I would tell my Boston squad mate that Wedge likes being pranked. Ooh. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's bad for Wedge. Oh, no. <laughs> because be then Bothans, Boston, you know, Bothans don't understand pranks. Right, but they don't understand pranks. They'd be like, oh, I'm going to prank Wedge. I'll prank him by cutting his throat with a knife. That'll be a funny <laughs> prank. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I like that last the last laugh there was very good it's <laughs> good um, Austin said I would build two Death Stars and label them Death Star 1 and Death Star 3 and release them in the school and tell him to find all three Death Stars then he'd just be looking for Death Star 2 forever but never find it because it doesn't exist 
Okay, this is a really, like, mean prank. <laughs> but that's why it's good. It's also is... funny given given how much they think they contributed to Death Star 2. I, I also have... I also have a question of how small are these Death Stars, or how big is the school? <laughs> the school is huge. Well, this is, I mean... So, I had, I had an ex-boyfriend who said he'd do, like, a prank like this, but do it with tarantulas, and oh, have, like, no. 13 of them. Well, he would have 12 of them, but, like, label them, like, 1 through 13, and then skip one. Oh, no. And that he would, like... Let them loose in my apartment, and then I dumped him. Because yeah, I was about funny. to ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be immediately oh, grounds. For... It's not funny to yeah. even joke about. So this was—I mean, there supposedly this was the senior prank at my school many years before I was a student there, but where they released were four testers? four pigs. Well, they were pigs, oh. and they painted like a one and a two and a four on them. It's a classic. Yeah. Pretty sure they did so. that at my school, but with sheep because. We just have shape. You're New Zealand. <laughs> so nice job, Austin. It's nice of you to finally comment on our listener question. Thanks, right. to, thanks for triggering me, Austin. God. <laughs> and Matthew Appleby said, I'd invite them to a party by telling them everyone loves Bothans, but when they get there, they realize the sad truth. Bothans are walking party fouls. <laughs> Ouch. Oh. It's almost like in this episode of Degrassi. <laughs> It's good. It's good. Um, before we get to Glistening Bodhi nominations, I want to award an automatic Glistening Bodhi to Spitfire because based on last week's episode introduction where Meg told us all which dogs we would be, she drew us all as the dogs that we are, which was so amazing. Good. And we tweeted so it and it's awesome. Need print out. Yes. So go look at that. It's amazing. Automatic listening Bodhi to Spitfire. Any other recommendations or nominations, I guess? Um, Austin? Austin. Yeah. Austin's, Austin's good. Because I really now wonder how small the Death Stars are. Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> yeah. I also like the dog whistle one just because I love the idea yeah. of blowing them, but they're trying to flirt. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Dog, just that. The dog whistle one is good. I would Who, give a slightly smaller listening body to Mika because now I just want to like in all of my arguments counterpoints with but think of all the boffins that think died of, to bring us to this. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're not even talking about Star Wars but just clap my hands together but think about all of the boffins that died to yeah. bring us. Meg, I really want to have Thai food for dinner tonight. Let's but think Danny, think of all the boffins that died to order us pizza. <laughs> so we have to do it we have to get pizza think about all it's of like, the bothans that died you can't even argue with that <laughs> you can't no, you can't there's no there's no way no awesome so congrats mika on your slightly smaller glistening body and congrats david roy austin and spitfire on your glistening bodies um, and before we get to this week's question, I just wanted to call out one other tweet we got this week. It was from Ben Yendall. He said, I've been liking how Race Squadron shows how dealing with anxiety when you can't curl up in a ball or walk away, which is, I don't know. I really like that tweet. It was really like, yeah, we're we're seeing some folks deal with some heavy stuff and just kind of like rolling with it. Right. Like, I think- make fun of Cal and stuff, but it, it yeah. was good of him to actually turn back like that was super strong of him to turn around and go back despite his anxiety yeah and like i honestly hadn't even thought of that until i saw this tweet we like kind of made fun of them like oh everyone needs therapy ha 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 ha." but they really do yeah it's like (laughs) it's it's totally true and they're not in a situation where they can like take a second and do that for themselves but they're still making it work right like i think in rogue squadron a lot of the things about characters were more just like normal character flaws right like oh he's really arrogant oh he's like overly confident or or things like that versus like here it's like they're they're a fine person but they just have to deal with all these other issues they have no control over and you know didn't ask for this to come out this way and um like even face had his moments of nerves and like messed up and was like oh god what am i doing yeah i don't know Put me back in the comm center. I cannot do this right now. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah so, so thank you, Ben, for that thoughtful tweet. 
Um, yeah. So now that we have seen the race gallivant in minimal swimwear on the beach, um, what other kind of locale would you like to see them in? Mm. Hmm. Well, they've already like done like a training camp episode, so yeah, not that. Oh, Space. I want them to go to like the snow, Danny. Mm. <laughs> I want to go to the snow because I want to have like say? cute snow outfits. He said space. Space. I want to see Wraith Squadron in space. Oh, a lot of Muppets tonight. Oh my um, god, but on a pirate ship? <laughs> pirate oh my god. Wraith Squadron, <laughs> Treasure Island. That'd be pretty good. Um, I would say, um, mm, this is hard for me to pick something that doesn't actually happen. <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you've probably seen them in many locales. Candyland. <laughs> sure. But sure. Your, adva- your advantage is we don't know, so you can say it. It's true, it's true. It's well, like, yeah, we do. I would like to see them at some sort of planetary festival. <laughs> Where they have to like be in traditional costumes and blend in. I like it. Yeah. I'll say that I want to see a Wraith Squad staycation where they're all just like chilling in a cabin in like the middle of the woods for a while and like oh my God. still playing You'd pranks like on each other, but like <laughs> getting on each other's nerves kind of. Yeah. I want it. I want to see them go undercover in a high school. (laughs) My God. And pull a prank where they release three puffer pigs labeled one, two, and four. (laughs) And they all have to pick their high school persona. And so one of them is cheerleader. (laughs) So-and-so. What's her face? And And so-and-so's ugly one. The ugly one. I like the ugly one because she wears a three-piece swimsuit. Yes. No, wait, that's oh, what's yeah. what her face. The ugly one doesn't even get invited. No, what's her face wears the same clothes. Yeah. Same clothes. Ugly Next week one. on Rogue Pod, we'll debate Teen Girl Squad canon. Yeah. Do we have to? So, listeners, <laughs> <laughs> how about you answer our question? We can escape this. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter at RoguePodron. You can find us on our website, roguepodron.tumblr.com. You can email us, roguepod at... Mm, no, that's not right. roguepodron at gmail.com, I think. Is that our email address? <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. No. Roguepod- no? Wait. At gmail.com. Rogue yeah. Why is this so hard every Why week? <laughs> it's roguepodron at gmail.com. Email yeah. us there. Not anywhere we definitely else. check our email. Yeah. <laughs> we do. Yes. I'm gonna check it right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can subscribe to us by the Far Far Way Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, or Google Play, and you can and should leave us a review and a nice rating because we're lovely and we will love you. You can also and buy we'll T-shirts. There's a charity involved. Show. We will read your reviews on the show, so say something good, um, or we'll make fun of you. Please review us. But you can buy T-shirts. These are charity involved. About something. Syrian refugees, right? You didn't write this in the notes, so I have no clue. (laughs) Yes. So, do you want me to talk about it? Yes, you talk about it. So, Riz Ahmed, like I said last week of Glistening Bodhi fame, um, started um, crowdfunding for this charity that supports Syrian refugees. So, literally every single dollar that we earn from selling Rogue Padron t-shirts, we are giving to that charity. Yeah, we are. So, go buy some shirts. It's for a good cause and you'll get a good shirt. Also, other Star Wars podcast awards happening. Do I need a shout out for that as well? Yes. Yeah. Vote, for vote for us. Vote for us. Vote for us. Yes. It's not a glistening body, but it's still awesome. So go vote for us in the literary award and stay cool. But we'll make it glistening if it comes to us. We will. Everything we touch glistens. So we want that award. <laughs> oh. Okay. Next time, X-Wing, Wraith Squadron, State of the Squadron. So we will officially be done with the first book 
in the Wraith Squadron trilogy. And we'll be joined by our very special guests, Nancy and Brian from Tashi Station. And with that, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. So happy it happened. After last week, I was like, I wish they were actually on the beat. <laughs> you know what you, okay, so that was like, uh, that was the secret message like I got from Nancy yeah. during last week. Yeah. Right, yeah. No one is surprised. <laughs> was, I'll just wait because they're going to be on the beach. I'm going to run in <laughs> and use the bathroom. I'll be right back. Good oh, luck. Have fun. Oh. Did you just say good luck? And have fun. Who said good luck? That's so weird. Good luck. Have fun. May the force be with you. Be with you. That was really about the Oh, look, his bathroom is right there. We're going to get to see him come out of it. Great. That's what I've always wanted. Really, Seth? <laughs>